0: This is the Life of Jesus podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Alcasser. I'm Mark here with my good friend Ben. We're also here with Doug. He's should we
1: call him like our audio engineer, producer? He's our he's our producer, and he he does a good job of producing. Yeah, he he fixes
0: things. So for a full year, and we need him for the full year. We need you, Doug, for a full year. We're looking at the life, teachings, and works of Jesus from the four Gospels put together in one chronological flow. We're we're in week two of a three-week little miniseries, and it's on the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, we looked at who we are, things like the salt of the earth, the light of the world. But today, we switch gears, and Jesus actually switches gears, and it's a little bit about what we should do. Again, it's all really who we are. But he's talking about these things that are part of the human condition, anger, lust, divorce, retribution, your enemies, what do you do in those situations? Do you ever, ever have a big bully you had to deal with? Were you the big bully? No. Okay. No. When, I, when
1: I when I graduated high school, I was like five foot nine and about 140 pounds soaking wet. And then my first year of college, God in his uh, humor, um, I I grew to about six foot three and put on about fifty pounds.
0: And so, so were you over the little bully? I guess I should. I say. was.
1: I was the little guy, <laughs> you know, mocked, picked on, uh, and then uh, yeah, then then got much larger in college. Go figure. Go figure. Yeah. You know, there's there's a
0: something Jesus does. I think throughout the scripture and and all of scripture does it really interacts with the human condition. And who hasn't had a, a moment in life when they've dealt with some of these, these topics that we're going to be looking at today? We'll, we'll, we'll hit some of them maybe. And gives us a, at least a, a foothold to be able to say, here's how you can stand even when you're facing what everybody else in the world faces. Hmm. And then maybe the first one would be, would be anger. It's in We're in Matthew chapter 5 today, Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. We're continuing on. And in verse 21, there's a common set of phrases that Jesus uses throughout here. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you, or I tell you. So one is really from the Old Testament thinking, from the Jewish scriptures, Hebrew scriptures. And then he, he changes it and adds and makes it tougher actually. Let's begin in Matthew 5, verse 21. You've heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. What? Anger is like murder? We, you know a lot of times people say, "Well, at least I haven't killed anybody when you they think about how good or bad of a person they are, but there's not a person around who can say they've never been angry with somebody. What's Jesus doing here as he is beginning to talk about the human condition and what we face yeah, he's
1: exposing the condition of the human heart he's exposing our depravity the The Pharisees were bent on following the letter of the law, and so uh, the idea, well, as long as I haven't killed my neighbor, then I have done what is right, good, and whole. And Jesus is exposing the underlying heart of the law um, to say, even if you are in a state of anger, I mean, ultimately, to your neighbor, you're not loving them, you're not caring for them, you're not seeking their good. Uh, just because you haven't murdered them, physically uh, murdered them. And so Jesus is exposing uh, the heart that he desires. Um, he is cracking uh, down on the hardness of heart that is existent. Um, and he's really exposing uh, the depth of our unrighteousness.
0: Because I'll tell you, I've, I've run into so many people over the years of ministry who go to one of my churches over over the years, and they'll say things like, no, I'm not going to get together with them for Easter or Christmas. I haven't talked to my sister in years. Right. I have, I, I'm i not on speaking terms with my son. That's a maybe a dangerous way to live out our Christian faith. He, he says, actually, here at the end of verse 22, anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. And in verse 23, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar— you're going to church and putting in your offerings and and going up for communion or, or whatever, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, grievance, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother or your sister, and then come back and do your worship. Then come back and offer your gift at the altar. That's a that's a big that's a tall order right because we we all have people that have ticked us off at times
1: one of the issues that that we run into is that within the the church context and i think sadly this is something that that uh, some we can be guilty of nurturing when we speak simply to these are the things that god uh, desires for us these are the commands that he gives us go forth and live into those commands Uh, We preach that word absent the gospel message, absent the grace of God, and what ends up happening is that we are not uh, living out our relationship with God, um, understanding that we ourselves were in need of reconciliation between us and God. And when we come to understand and we come uh, to, when our hearts are captured by the redeeming grace and love of God, then we have hearts that are bent toward reconciliation uh, to where, you know, the Apostle Paul in in Ephesians uh, 4, this is one of those things, it's probably a verse that is common to many of us, but he says, you know, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God uh, forgave you. And so the follower of Christ is always bent toward uh, reconciliation um, if we recognize that we have a hardness of heart towards somebody um, as one who has been reconciled to God through the work of Christ, then we are—we should be instinctively our natural bent in Christ should always be toward reconciliation.
0: That's hard. Let's let's admit that our I, our natural response. I, I think psychologists would tell us our natural sure. response when someone confronts us and and rages at us or is our enemy or whatever is fight or flight, some would say fight, flight or freeze. Either you're going to fight back or you're going to run away or you're just going to just freeze up and not know what to do. But you're saying there's a fourth way and it's forgive. Right. It's not just the fourth way, it's the way. Right. But it's
1: the hard way, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think oftentimes my growth in uh, forgiveness, um, which I still have a really a uh, long way to go because, to your point, my natural bent is toward vengeance, you know, when I have been offended. But when I am confronted by my desire toward anger, my desire toward vengeance, uh, my desire toward uh, not forgiving another, um, not seeking reconciliation uh, with another, what that does is it exposes the hardness of my own heart to where I'm no longer looking at the person who I believe has uh, caused the offense but I begin to look at my own heart and its need to be uh its need to to be remade in the image of Christ. Well Jesus takes this topic you're talking about of the heart and goes
0: a new direction in verse 27 and he says, "You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, another one of the commandments. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. When when I was in high school, the four years I was in high school, Jimmy Carter was the president of the country. That predates you a little bit. And I, I do remember for this that um, he had done an interview with Playboy magazine, I guess people get it for the articles. And he had done an interview with Playboy magazine <laughs> and he uh, admitted to them that, uh, I remember the news story, something like he admitted to them that he had lusted after women many times in his heart. And people were astounded that he would say that and that he would admit that. There was all kinds of a, a flap about it a little bit that, that went on. And he was referring to these verses that, I don't know if they, if they asked him, you know, have you ever committed adultery? I don't know if that was the, the leading question, and he, but he was basically referencing this, if I remember right, and saying, well, no, I haven't committed adultery, but I can't tell you I haven't looked at somebody. So Jesus now takes this matter of the heart on a very personal level and says, if, you, if you're a married person and you're looking at anybody, in a way that you shouldn't be, and that and thoughts rise up within you, uh, it's like you've committed adultery, at least in the heart. the these this uh this way that of Jesus speaking to us is confrontational.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely confrontational.
0: So then he says in verse twenty nine, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out. What? Throw your eyeball away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Say what? Pitch it in the trash can. Better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to go into hell. Now, now let's think about this for a minute. If we take this verse quite literally, and we know that all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God, and that even after our salvation, we continue to move toward this holiness that God calls us to. But it's not usually an uh, instantaneous, once and for all thing. At least that's that's how I view it. We'd have a lot of maimed people. I wouldn't even say walking around. <laughs> We'd just have a lot of maimed people who would be gouging and and so, so what? What do you think is going on here? Jesus is speaking this language.
1: I think he's exposing to us the seriousness of sin. Yeah. Um, whereas I, I think a lot of times, you know, the human condition is to minimize our sinfulness, it's to minimize our brokenness. You know, um, I think about uh, men who I have counseled who wrestle with pornography. And one of the things that that I will hear is I am I'm not hurting anybody. Mm. Not recognizing that by objectifying the person on the screen, they are doing significant damage to their heart, to their marriages, to their relationships with others. Uh, potentially to the person whom they are objectifying on the screen or in uh, the magazine uh, as well. And so Jesus is is pointing out the seriousness of of sin itself. He is speaking into our hearts. And emphasizing, do not take sin lightly. Yeah.
0: And so he, he compares it to, I mean, this willingness to do away with that part of the body. It's a lot better that than to be spending eternity in hell. So he's really letting us know that we, we can't just dismiss it and say, well, that's how I'm wired. Right. That's who I am. That it's, it's just how I'm going to be. Not so fast, right? Not so fast. So Jimmy Carter was president when I was in high school, maybe first year of college too. And then Ronald Reagan became president. And, I, and I, here's another thing that I remember from those early years is that um, I think I think this is right. Ronald Reagan was the first governor when he was governor of California, the first governor to sign into law no-fault divorce. And it's pretty much accepted practice now. and And as a result, divorce skyrocketed in the nation. I don't know if it's a simple a plus b equals c, but divorce skyrocketed from you know maybe in a 20% or 30% or something to in the 50s or 60% whatever whatever it is. Nonetheless, it goes into the next teaching of Jesus to a degree in verse 31, Matthew 5 again verse 31. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who di- marries a divorced woman commits adultery. I mean, Jesus is not holding back, is he he's He's just really hitting some of these hard, hard. Topics of life that were as relevant then as they are today i mean it's it's the human condition that he's that he's speaking to, and he's he's I think wanting to us to to really know that not just how we think matters but how we we live all of that matters to God. it matters deeply, and we need to look deep within ourselves before looking at the other person and saying. You're the one who's a problem. We need to look deep within ourselves and begin to let him change us from the inside out. That righteousness that you're talking about, to let him give us that righteousness so that we can stand up under the pressures or the temptations to run away from marriage or to look at someone else or even to get back at somebody when they have wronged us, whatever those things are. In fact, that getting back piece, I'm going to just jump down to verse 38. Verse 38, you've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Makes sense. You punch me, I'll punch you, right? Not so fast, he said. I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them your left cheek. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go two. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is counterintuitive to the world. It's it's almost crazy talk to live like this. What's Jesus driving
1: at? That our lives for him should not be conditioned by the circumstances that we are uh, surrounded by, but that our heart, our life ultimately must be conditioned by him. Um, So where we're not entering into, we're we're not seeking a life of of self-protection, but seeking a life uh, that again, is going to be a manifestation of our life, uh, in Jesus Christ. And what ends up happening, I think so often is we wind up, uh, almost, uh, living out our life for God, um, not rooted in the, uh, saving grace of God, but oftentimes we end up living our life out, uh, with God through what I call, you know, comparative religion. Hmm. And so uh, we see this uh, dysfunction that sometimes inhabits our, our relationships, that it's ultimately born of comparative religion. And sometimes that, that sense uh, has been, um, again, nurtured uh, by the church itself when we don't declare the, the grace of God, when the gospel itself is not present um, in our messages, in our preaching, in our teaching what we end up doing is we end up nurturing hearts of self-righteousness. So I think about it uh, in terms of marriage. A lot of times, you know, how many sermons have have we heard at some point uh, from some folks? And it's like, here are the seven things that you need to do to have a successful marriage. And a husband and wife who might be going through a difficult time uh, will take those seven things uh, back with them to the house and they will think to themselves, okay, I am going to put those seven practices that the preacher told me to put into practice, I'm gonna put them into practice, and it's gonna nurture success in my relationship with my spouse, and what ends up happening is that they begin in their own mind to put those practices into place, those things that they need to do, which might be right and good uh, and whole and what God desires, and as but as they put those practices into place, And if they do not see their relationship changing, and they don't see uh, uh, their spouse responding as they discern their spouse should respond, what ends up happening is they look at the other person and they say, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. He or she isn't. They're the ones with the problem. And I think what what we're being what's being revealed to us uh, through the 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 sermon on the mount is we all have this heart condition we all have this brokenness um to where in Christ as he is revealing that uh to us he is giving us this new way to live a new way to live that he himself is uh, revealing. I mean, this is the Jesus who upon the cross will say, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so am I living out a life of self-righteousness or am I living out a, a life that is fueled by the gracious love of God, where my heart is bent more toward, uh, compassion and forgiveness, uh, even for those who are, um, as Jesus would say, have struck me on the cheek? uh, Is my heart bent toward a a longing for them uh, to see the light of Christ in me?
0: Yeah, because he takes it to a new level in verse 43. We'll wrap it up with this. He said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. It's a hard call, and just in case we think, oh, he didn't touch the topic that I struggle with, it's in verse forty-eight. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That little that little word, word there, Greek word is teleos, and it's um, a different kind of word, isn't it? doesn't necessarily mean that we uh, aren't going to stumble in life and, and be perfect in everything that we do, but it has this sense of being complete, being God's, being the righteousness that he has given to us and, and made us. And even when the world treats us poorly, even when others come against us even when our spouse doesn't measure up to our ideal image of what a spouse should be we're called to be the light and life of Christ in the world it's a it's a pretty tall order that he's he's hitting really right out of the gate in his in his ministry as he's beginning to draw people in and saying this is a different kind of message that I'm giving today Final words?
1: Uh, Amen. And I would just say that when I'm confronted by my failure to love another, no matter the circumstance, it's always a revelation to me that I am not fully satisfied in the love of Christ. It is a reminder uh, to me that I am not fully satisfied in the love of Christ if I'm I'm allowing my life uh, ultimately to be constrained by the circumstances surrounding it. You always
0: make me think. I love that. That's amazing. Well, next time we're going we're gonna to wrap up this little mini-series on the Sermon on the Mount. We'll be looking at Matthew 6 and a little bit of 7 together. And it's uh, we're moving from who we are today to what we do. And then the next one will be how we live. And it will address things like giving and praying and fasting and worrying and stuff like that. So, folks, if you want to jump in deeper, go to our church's website, fishersumc.org, or our church app, and click on the Life of Jesus link. You'll get all kinds of other goodies there that will help you pursue Jesus further. We're more interested in you knowing him and being known by him than in completing all the tasks. Wouldn't you say that's right, brother? Amen to that. All right. Thank you, folks, for listening today, and may God bless you. Have a wonderful week.